Good evening, this is Patrick Donahue. As always, we appreciate you listening to Bible Crossfire every Sunday night at this time. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 reads, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So we ought to stand ready to give an answer, a Bible answer. When someone asks us a Bible question, we ought to give a Bible answer. But many preachers, for whatever reason, choose not to do so. For example, on our April 28th program, we had a caller ask about whether Noah's flood was global or local. He said the Bible answer man, that would be Hank Hanegraaff, had said the flood was local because if it were global then where did all the water go so evidently if this caller was correct the Bible answer man said the flood was local and he gave human reasoning why it had to be global he said if it was why it had to be local he said if it were global where did all the water go this is typical of many Bible teachers they claim they're giving you Bible answers to questions but they actually do just the exact opposite of that. They don't give you a Bible answer. They give you what they think or what their human reasoning says. Instead, they give their own answer and ignore what the Bible actually has to say. The Bible is not silent on this question of whether or not Noah's flood was global or local. The Bible is not unclear on this question. Notice in talking about the flood, Genesis 7 19-20 says, And the waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them 15 cubits deep. That's from the English Standard Version. So, according to the Bible, according to the Bible, the Noah's flood was global, not just local. It says the water covered all the high mountains under the whole heaven. The waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them 15 cubits deep. It was a global flood, not a local flood. That's what the Bible actually says. But the Bible answer man, Hank Hanegraaff, said the flood was local. Do you see the difference in the Bible answer man's answer and a real Bible answer? We should always give what the Bible actually says regarding such questions and keep our human reasoning and opinions to ourselves. Better yet, we should make our opinion the same as what the Bible says on every subject that it touches on. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call is 877-655-6755. Let's move on to a different subject and see what a Bible answer would entail. The following quote is from the Birmingham News, and I live in Alabama, so we're talking about Birmingham, Birmingham, Alabama. The Birmingham News, August 6, 2003. It says, quote, the Episcopal Church approved its first openly gay bishop Tuesday. This new gay bishop, Robinson, cited the examples of ordaining women priests, and accepting divorce in the church as departures. Just simply saying it departs from Scripture does not necessarily make it wrong. Now, I didn't say that. That's what this new gay bishop, 
Mr. Robinson said. He said, just simply saying it departs from Scripture does not necessarily make it wrong. (laughs) This is the first openly gay bishop ordained by the Episcopal Church. And Robinson cited the examples of ordaining women priests and accepting divorce in the church as departures. He says, just because it's a departure from Scripture, that didn't make it wrong. What about this idea of ordaining gay bishops? How about 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10? I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, quote, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. So is the Episcopal Church giving a Bible answer to the question regarding homosexuality? Is homosexuality homosexuality condemned or condoned by the Bible? Is the Episcopal Church giving you a Bible answer? Obviously not. They're ordaining gay bishops. But the Bible says clearly in passages like 1 Corinthians 6, which we've just read... that homosexuals and sodomites will not inherit the kingdom of God. You see, that's the Bible answer. What the Episcopal Church is giving you is a false answer. Everybody just assumes that if it's a church or if it's a preacher, that they're going to give you a Bible answer to the Bible question. But here we see that's not true. Hank Hanegraaff, the Bible answer man, said the global flood, Noah's flood, excuse me, was local. The Bible teaches it was global, all over the earth. He didn't give you a Bible answer. He gave you his opinion. The Episcopal Church does not give you a Bible answer about homosexuality. They say that it's okay. They ordain gay bishops. But the Bible says that homosexuality is a sin. Again, if you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call. 877 655 Six seven five five is the number to call if you have a Bible question or comment. Now, in that same quote, the Episcopal Church talked about ordaining women priests or women preachers. They said that it was okay. Is that a Bible answer? Well, what about First Corinthians fourteen thirty four and thirty five, which we've read a number of times on this program? I read from that verse: "Let your women keep silence in the churches." For it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. I like to say that this passage, 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35, is the clearest passage on any subject in the Bible. On the subject of women preachers, it is not vague, it is very, very clear. The women are to keep silence in the churches. It's not permitted unto them to speak. It's a shame for women to speak in the church. And so it's very clear that the Bible does not approve of women preachers, yet the Episcopal Church ordains women priests. They think that's okay, even though it's a departure from Scripture. Are they giving you a Bible answer? No, they're not giving you a Bible answer. They're saying it's okay to have women preachers, the Episcopal Church, when the Bible is very clearly saying it's not okay to have women preachers. Alexander from Nigeria, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes. Uh, 
I live in Alexandria, Louisiana, but I'm from Nigeria, Africa. My name is Evangelist Tony. My question is, in whose name should we be getting baptized? I see you talking about baptism the other day. Should we be baptizing people in the name of Jesus, according to Acts 2.38, or the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, according to Matthew chapter 28? Okay, thank you for your question, Alexander. Matthew 28, verse 19 they were told to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Now, that's inspired of God, so it's true. This is what we ought to do. Baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Acts 2.38, they were told, or it says that Peter was to baptize. He told people to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That's inspired of God. That's true. So, evidently, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and baptizing in the name of Jesus... Are, are the same thing. Matthew twenty eight nineteen through 20 says to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Acts 2, 38 says to baptize in the name of Jesus. Since there's no contradictions in the Bible, they're the same thing. And that's easily recon- reconciled when you realize neither verse tells the baptizer what to say. It's not talking about what the baptizer is to say. It's talking about what the baptizer is to do. Baptizing in the name of Jesus, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost means to do it by their authority. It doesn't have anything to do with what the baptizer is to say. It has everything to what to do with what the baptizer is to do. He's to baptize by the authority of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. He's to baptize by the authority of Jesus Christ. That's the same authority. That's what baptizers should do. They should baptize by the authority of Christ, by the authority of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. The Bible never teaches what the baptizer is to say when he baptizes. Now, if you have a Bible question or comment, please call us at 877-655-6755. The third thing, that quote about the Episcopal Church what the Episcopal Church stood for, according to the Birmingham News in 2003, was divorce. They basically said that divorce is okay, even though it's a departure from Scripture. But what does Jesus say about divorce? In Matthew 19:9, Jesus says, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. But whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. Now, the Episcopal Church, evidently, according to that quote, is saying it's okay to divorce. But is the Episcopal Church giving you a Bible answer? Is it okay to divorce, or are they giving you their own answer? It's not okay. Jesus said it, divorce, except for fornication, and remarry, remarriage results in adultery. So the marriage that results when a person divorces and remarries for any other cause... The marriage that results is adulterous, and the person has to get out of that marriage if he wants to be right with God. So the Bible answer to whether divorce should be accepted in the church or out of the church is no. Jesus makes that very clear, unless the divorce is for fornication. The Episcopal Church is not giving you a Bible answer. When they allow divorce for practically every reason... They're not giving you a Bible answer. You see, every church and every preacher, you would think, would give you a Bible answer. But they're not giving you a Bible answer. Hank Hanegraaff, the Bible answer man, didn't give you a Bible answer on whether or not the flood was global or local. He said it was local. The Bible says global. The Episcopal Church is not giving you a Bible answer on 
homosexuality, women preachers, or divorce. The Bible condemns all of that, but they say that it's okay. They're not giving you a Bible answer. Billy Graham is famous for teaching in crusade after crusade that people needed to come forward and accept Christ in order to be saved. But, in an interview with Robert Schuller on May 31st, 1997, Mr. Graham said this, and I quote, Whether they come from the Muslim world or the Buddhist world, or the Christian world, or the non-believing world, they are members of the body of Christ because they've been called by God. They may not even know the name of Jesus, but they know in their hearts they need something that they don't have. And they turn to the only light they have, and I think they're saved, and they're going to be with us in heaven. And then, in McCall's magazine, the January 1978 edition, Graham said this. Now, this is Billy Graham who said this. He says, and I quote, I used to believe that pagans in far-off countries were lost, were going to H-E-L-L, if they did not have the gospel of Jesus Christ preached to them. I no longer believe that. I believe that there are other ways of recognizing the existence of God through nature, for instance, and plenty of other opportunities, therefore of saying yes to God. So the question was asked Billy Graham about the Muslim world, the Buddhist world, Jews, for example, the pagans. Could they be saved without believing in Christ? And Billy Graham's answer was yes. Is that a Bible answer? Now, that's Billy Graham. You'd think he'd give you a Bible answer, but no. He said they can be saved like they are without believing in Christ. There are other ways of saying yes to God and being saved. But that's not a Bible answer. That's Mr. Graham's answer from his own head, his own human reasoning. But it's not a Bible answer. Here's the Bible answer to that question. Can someone like a Muslim or a Jew or a Buddhist or a pagan be saved without believing in Christ? Here's the Bible answer to that question. Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And then he said in John 8, verse 24, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. So the Bible answer to that question are Muslims, Jews, Buddhists, and pagans going to be saved without believing in Christ? The Bible answer is absolutely not. Billy Graham was not willing to give you a Bible answer. A Bible answer means that you give the answer that the Bible gives, not your own human opinion or the way you would want it to be. And that's what we strive for on this program, Bible Crossfire. When you call and ask a Bible question, sometimes we don't know the answer. Sometimes you ask questions that the answer is not revealed in the Bible. But if the answer is revealed in the Bible, we plan on giving you a Bible answer. What the Bible actually has to say, how it answers the question not our own human reasoning. Billy Graham didn't give you a Bible answer to that question. The Bible answer is that you have to believe in Christ to be saved. No ifs, ands, or buts. How about this particular question? The question of baptism, does it have to be immersion or will sprinkling or pouring suffice? Before we get into that, let's go to the line and get this call. 
Dorothy from Washington State. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes. I'd just like to know, you know, what is it accomplishing by bringing up all these different names that you're bringing up when we don't, none of us really have the answer, I don't think. I mean, I accept Christ as my Savior, but I don't really think that everybody believes you have to be, you know, baptized or when Christ died on that cross, he left all that sin at their cross and it says in Isaiah that all men are sinners and that we won't repent and won't turn from our sin until Jesus Christ returns again. Dorothy, here's what it accomplishes. In John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and the truth and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So to be well, saved... Yeah, I believe in so the to, truth. I believe in right. Jesus. So, I Dorothy, let me, let me answer your question. So to be saved by the truth, you have to continue in Christ's word. And we're giving examples of people who are not continuing Jesus' word. They're not continuing in Jesus' word. They're not continuing in the truth. So they're not going to be saved. So you ask, what does this accomplish to talk about this? It accomplishes everything. It points out what the truth is in contrast to the false teachers of our day. If people follow these false teachers, like Billy Graham, who says a person can be saved without believing in Christ, if you follow those false teachers, you will not be saved. Remember Matthew fifteen fourteen, Jesus said, if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. And so if we allow ourselves to be misled by a false teacher... We're going to fall into the ditch. We're going to be lost just like that false teacher. The Bible says in 2 John verse 9, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. And so the Bible teaches that we have to abide in the teaching of Christ in order to have God. If we don't abide in the teaching of Christ, we don't have God. We cannot be saved. Dorothy, you're back on the air. Do you have a follow-up question or comment? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I really do, because then you say that unless we don't sin again, we just... I, I believe in Christ. I try to live my life right, but I'm a person, that's for sure. And I kick my dog once in a while, and I cuss once in a while, but I believe in Jesus Christ. So we're saved by grace. Is that correct? Yes, we are saved by grace, Dorothy, but the only ones who are going to be saved are those who trust and obey. And so if you cuss every now and then and you don't repent of that, you won't be saved because you're saved by grace, but the only people who are saved by grace are those who trust and obey. We can tell this by a passage like Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9, where it says that Jesus is the author or the source of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. And so we cannot be saved unless we obey Christ. And so people can't just say, I'm, I can sin, everybody sins, I can sin and I can be okay with God because we're saved by grace. No, the fact that we're saved by grace demands that we live a certain way. It's not enough just to believe in Christ. Second John, Second Thessalonians, chapter one, verse eight says, "In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ." So it's not enough just to know God. It's not enough just to believe in God. We're not going to be saved by grace unless we know God and we obey the gospel. 
and people are not obeying the gospel. They don't think it really matters if we obey the gospel. As a matter of fact, Billy Graham was teaching it didn't really matter if you obeyed the gospel that you could be saved without believing in Christ. But, of course, that's not a Bible answer to the Bible question. The Bible answer is, is what Jesus gave, that except you believe that I am He, you shall die in your sins. So we have to believe in Christ in order to be saved. We have to obey Christ in order to be saved. That's what we read in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9. Jesus is the author of eternal salvation, and to all them that obey him. That means if you don't obey Christ, you will not be saved. You will not receive eternal salvation. If you have a Bible question or comment, please give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call is 877-655-6755. We were talking about baptism, immersion. Is that required, sprinkling or pouring? Let's notice what the Catholic Church has to say about that. What is their answer to the question about whether or not baptism has to be immersion or not? This is from a Catholic book, Our Faith and the Facts, on page 399. It says, The church at one time practiced immersion. This was up to the 13th century. The Council of Ravenna in 1311 changed the form from immersion to pouring. And then let's notice from the 1956 Methodist Discipline. It says, Let every adult person and the parents of every child to be baptized have the choice of sprinkling, pouring, or immersion. So the Catholic Church says that baptism changed from immersion to pouring in 1311. The Methodist Church said it's okay to give the candidate for baptism the choice of sprinkling, pouring, or immersion. Now, are those Bible answers to this question? No. The Bible answer is found in Romans 6, verses 4 through 5. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. This verse says that we're buried with Christ by baptism. Now, when somebody dies and we take them out to the graveyard to bury them, does that mean we stand them up and sprinkle a little dirt on their head, or does that mean we put them all the way up under the ground? We know what buried means, and since baptism is said here to be a burial, then we know that baptism must mean that a person is buried in the water, immersed. So the Bible answer to this question, does a person have to be immersed, or will sprinkling and pouring suffice, is found in passages like Romans 6, 4 through 5. It has to be immersion. That's the Bible answer. Now, the Catholic Church and the Methodist Church will give you a different answer. They're not giving you a Bible answer. The Bible answer is it has to be a burial, an immersion. That's the Bible answer to that question. Debbie, go from Ohio, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Um, when you were talking about the, the Jews, about entering um, heaven, believing, and I get it, right, that Jesus was a Jew. But didn't he also say that his people would be saved, that his the Jews would be? He, he said that Jews would be saved if they believed in Christ. 
He never said anything like what Billy Graham was saying, that a Jew can be saved without believing in Christ. Never said anything like that. You remember the most famous verse in the Bible, Debbie, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should be should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, that verse tells us the condition that a person has to meet, has to meet a Jew or anybody else. They have to believe in Christ in order to be saved. Does that make sense, Debbie? Right. No, no. I, and I get that, that there is one way to the Father, and that is through me. I mean, I get that, right? But I think that, me, and I think, and even like with Billy Graham, don't you think that maybe when he was talking, that Billy Graham was talking with people having different avenues about how they're seeking out God and getting to know God, I think that we all, not everybody gets there the same way, right? So, Debbie, I'm going to have to drop you. The, I have to drop you. The, we have to go off the air. The answer is what Jesus said in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So there is only one way. There's not different avenues. You have to trust and obey Christ to be saved. 